0: At U.S. Cellular, you can get one line for just $29.99 with unlimited data. Which is good news for you, friendly hermit who shuns society and lives in a cabin all by himself. Wow, thanks. You know, you'd be surprised how much data hermit goes through. Actually, I'm not that surprised at all. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. We value human connection with fewer distractions. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Visit your U.S. Cellular authorized agent cellular advantage located at 918 Locust Street in Glenwood.
1: Welcome to the Life Lessons Podcast. I'm Jen Stevens.
2: I'm a retired teacher, the author of several books, including the New York Times bestseller, Fast, Feast, Repeat, and I love nothing more than building community.
1: And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've spent my life helping others through my work in healthcare and as a volunteer for various organizations. We are friends who share a love of
2: learning, problem solving, and bringing people together.
1: Each week, join us as we share inspiring stories and bring you new ideas designed to help you live your best life. So now
2: let's learn something new,
1: get inspired,
2: and have some fun. Hi, everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing wonderful. Well, I am so glad. Anything new going on with you?
1: Well, let's see. Tuesday is usually date day with Eric, but we did not have a date yesterday. We painted. Well, that's a date. Well, kind of. A painting date. (laughs) It kind of was. Here's the funny part. He likes to roll because, I don't know, he thinks that's the man's job, I guess. And then I have to edge everything in. So maybe because rolling is less detail oriented and edging uh, well, is hard ex- yeah i i guess <laughs> i don't know that don't, would be my thought <laughs> he's like well i'll roll if you edge and i'm like oh great that sounds fun because that's the funnest part of painting right, right? <laughs> i could roll all day and uh, <laughs> so he was done rolling we painted like three walls he was done rolling in i don't know 30 minutes maybe Meanwhile, four hours later, I'm still edging in around the baseboards and the windows and the ceiling and yep. and then he was like, How long is this gonna take you? I'm like, dude, you are welcome to pick up another edger and a paintbrush and jump in. Yeah. He's like, No, I already did my job. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Like, thank you. Know you know how I would thank feel about that one. I know. So he did a lot of sitting on the couch watching me work and commenting and critiquing me. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Which he says it's not critiquing. Okay. It's helpful, constructive criticism. He's like, "Why? I love you so much. I would never say anything bad about you. Why do you always think I say bad things about you? And I'm like, you're always critiquing me. And he's like, no, I'm just giving you a hard time. Well, he does do that. (laughs) <laughs> I hate painting. I'm also really bad at it. So he says, you take it so seriously when I pick on you and give you a hard time, but I pick on you because I love you. And I'm like, yeah. well, I guess maybe I said, you know, you carry some trauma with you from your past. Maybe I carry a little trauma with me from my past. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, anyway, maybe next time will more I do take it, it personally when somebody tells me I'm not doing a
2: good job. You might want to negotiate it differently next time because I know he really likes well, this is what we said, so this is what we're doing. So maybe next time say, all right, you roll until you're done rolling, then you will edge. And as long as you've said it ahead of time, and then we both stop when we're done with all of it. hmm Yeah. Because right? if you'd said that ahead of time, that would have been
1: more fair. Okay. Like, I absolutely don't trust him doing this up along the edge of the ceiling. Pretty sure I would have wall paint all over my ceilings. Ah, Uh, but I have to paint all the baseboards anyway, so I wasn't even being careful with the baseboards. Okay, that's what I'm gonna do when we finish. They redid our floor before we bought the house, and Mm -hmm. they put all new baseboard trim up. And I've come to realize it was never painted; it's just primer. Oh wow! So it's just like dirty and gross because that primer just has attracted the dirt. So. When uh we get off here, I'm gonna go prime all of the trim work and then my mother-in-law is coming over tomorrow. She's gonna help me paint it. Well, she have loves fun. to paint like cabinets and trim work. That's like Well, her that is thing. very lucky. <laughs> That's awesome. So fortunate. I'm gonna let her do that <laughs> while I paint my fireplace tomorrow. Awesome. We'll
2: have fun. I can't wait to see
1: it. Yeah. It's one of those things we've lived here almost five years. One of my priorities was to remodel our kitchen. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to do anything with the main part of the house until I redo the kitchen. Well, it'll be five years in April that we've lived here. And I was just sick of it. So I decided to just, and, and the kitchen's on hold. I mean, let's face it. You still can't get stuff. Yeah. Everything's so expensive right now. Well, and if you'd have remodeled it five
2: years ago, you'd already be tired of that backsplash. <laughs> That's,
1: That's what I'm thinking. Quite likely. Well, you know. So, yeah, I've just decided I'm on, the, I'm on a two-year plan now. In, in two years, my goal is to redo the kitchen, and I'm hoping by two years from now, maybe the world and construction and supplies are back to normal. I hope so. <laughs> well, now it is time for our weekly good news segment, and today we have a shout out from Danielle Conlin. And Danielle, if I didn't say your name right, I'm sorry. That's how I read it. Is that how you would read it, Jen? Yeah, I think so. Okay. It's Danielle with an E instead of an A. Danielle, maybe. I'm assuming it's Danielle. She wrote, as an educator of almost 20 years, last summer I decided to seek employment to earn some extra income and help my two preteen boys become a bit more independent at home. I started answering phones at a local care center as well as working for the activities department. This meant I spent my days reading to, painting the nails of, feeding, or just conversing with those living at the care center. I thoroughly enjoyed my time, but only worked a few days a week and I was able to return to teaching in the fall. However, I would like to give a shout out to all of those people who work in nursing homes, care centers, assisted living facilities, rehabilitation centers, and the like. Those individuals are some of the hardest working individuals with some of the most demanding and difficult duties. May they know how amazing and appreciated they are. That's a great shout out. Thank you, that Danielle. That is a great shout out. Because it's true. It is a hard job. It is. It is a very hard job. Yeah. And if anybody, I was just telling some of this the other day, they were like wanting to figure out a place to volunteer and didn't know where. And I told, that was what I told them. I said, go to a nursing home. Yeah. I said, if nothing else, you can go outside and walk with them. You can read to them. Sometimes their eyesight's, you know, bad. And I mean, even just to sit down and play a game of cards with them. A lot of people who live there don't have visitors.
2: Yeah, that's a great idea. Well, listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode.
1: Before we get to the life lesson of the week, I want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that helps make it possible for us to bring you the podcast. Today, I want to talk about my favorite clean skincare brand, Beauty Counter. There are three products in my arsenal that I absolutely love. I've talked before about the Albright Sea Serum, But since I started using it, they have developed two more products in the Albright line. The Albright Triple Acid Alpha Hydroxy Toner that has several powerful ingredients designed to exfoliate and smooth the skin. Uh, It actually has kombucha in it. Did you know that, Jen? I did not know that. Yeah. The Albright Sea Serum, which I've used for a long time. Uh, is an ultra potent 10% blend of two forms of vitamin C, turmeric, and camu camu, which instantly brightens skin and helps even skin tone. The antioxidant rich formula also helps defend skin from the damaging effects of environmental stressors, revealing a more youthful looking complexion with a reduction in dark spots. And it's definitely helped my dark spots and it helps just even out your skin tone. And then last, the brand new All Bright Facial Oil. And I know it sounds weird to put oil on your face after cleansing and moisturizing. I probably would not have ordered this, but they sent me some for free to try and I love it. It absorbs really, really quickly. And this selected blend of oils, they help hydrate your skin and approve the appearance of radiance. They're made with omega-rich marula oil for intense hydration and antioxidant vitamin C, for again, brighter, even skin tone. I really love it. I've been using all three since Christmas, and I have noticed a dramatic difference in my skin tone and brightness. Like even my skin was starting to feel the winter blahs. So I'm feeling bright and beautiful again. If you want to learn more, visit beautycounter.com slash Sherry Bullock or lifelessonscommunity.com slash beautycounter. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. Today, we are joined by John K. Ross, co-host of the Big Picture Retirement Podcast. He is the founder of one of the largest estate planning and asset protection law firms in Texas, Ross & Schulmeyer, which was founded with the goal to be the best resource in the community for estate planning, elder law, and asset protection. John has assisted countless families in designing asset protection strategies He helps the elderly protect their life savings from nursing home costs, and he helps develop plans for disabled individuals, including special needs trusts, in order to maximize their quality of life and preserve needed resources. So we are so glad you're here today because this is a very common topic in the Life Lessons Facebook community. I think most of us are really unprepared. I think it's true. For (laughs) what happens after we pass.
0: No, and, and and really not even then, but before. When you get oh, when yeah. you get sick, when you get right aged and then passing. But yeah, people are just not they're not prepared for any of it really. Typically
2: Well, we are we are definitely not prepared, Chad and Arnold. So not prepared. like
1: I think probably a year and a half now. It was during the early COVID days. We actually did an episode on being prepared for emergencies. Like, what happens if you suddenly end up in the hospital for a month? Like, who's taking over your household management and paying your bills so you have a house to come back to? And who has access to your finances? And, you know, we we touched a little bit on, you know, end of life and wills and trusts a little bit. And at that point, so many people were like, oh gosh, I need to do something about that. Well, here we are like a year and a half later. And what have we done? Jen and I have still done nothing with that. And I'm sure (laughs) many of our listeners are in the same place. And I think because some people just don't know where to start. So you just put it off. So before we get into the, the nuts and bolts of today,
2: John, what is the overall lesson you hope to share with our listeners today?
0: I think when it comes to the planning and planning for your future, What you're really doing is you're creating a legacy that when you're gone, there's two things that your family's going to remember about you. They're going to remember all the the fun times and the soccer games that you attended and and all the cool stuff, right? Or they're going to remember the train wreck of court systems and lawyers and expense and cost. And that will be your legacy. And I don't know anybody that wants that legacy.
2: No. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so we want not. the other
0: one. That's the, right. the life lesson is don't leave that legacy.
2: Don't leave that th- mess for your family. Okay. Yep. All right. This is the time I'm going to do something about with yeah. Sherry.
1: I, well, and this has really been in the forefront of my mind recently because my very good friend, her mom passed away a couple months ago, and she was having a lot of paranoia towards the end of her life. And so she was hiding money and like hiding money even from her husband and had like a safety deposit box that nobody was a beneficiary of. They have spent over $4,000 trying to get into this safety deposit box, which made me think I'm 49 years old. I have no will. I have no trust. My house, my cars, my checking accounts, my savings accounts, they are only in my name. My husband is on nothing. So, if I came to you today and I said, "Where help do me. I start help?" Like, where where do I start?
0: Yeah, so I mean, the first thing is is there's going to be some basic stuff that that everybody walking around should probably have in place. You know, people will ask me, they say, "John, how old do you need to be before you see an elder law attorney?" And my my answer is the same every time. You need to be 18. Things like incapacity don't don't have a an age that's true. Minimum. Right. Right. I mean, surely uh, you ever try to call the phone company and your name's not the one on the account?
1: Oh, exactly. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. I mean, you know, I, I have to drag my wife to Verizon if I want to upgrade my cell phone. Right. She's that's the one true. that set up the whole account.
1: Yeah. And
0: and while that's inconvenient right now, if she has a stroke and she's never going to speak again, we've got a problem. Right. I'm stuck with whatever addition phone I have. <laughs> <You know? laughs> iPhone
2: 12 for life, John. No. That's
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get right? it. There's four basic things. And the, the first one would be a durable power of attorney, something that would allow somebody to handle business type decisions for you. This could be, again, dealing with that cell phone or paying your bills, accessing bank accounts, things like that. Basically, everything except medical. Because that's a medical power of attorney. That would be number two, somebody who can make medical decisions. You know, if you're at the hospital and you're unconscious and you need surgery, somebody has to tell the doctor whether or not to do the surgery.
1: Do you suggest those two people be different people?
0: Well, I guess if you're talking about your spouse, often you would appoint, you know, I would appoint my spouse to make business decisions for me. And I would appoint my spouse to make medical decisions for me. Although I just in my own family, when I did this stuff for my parents, you know, I said, oh, well, y'all point each other and then I'll be the first backup. I'm an only child. So really going to be the only backup right there. So but when we got to the medical decisions, my mother said, uh, you know, I actually don't think I want your dad on there making medical decisions. I was
1: thinking the same thing
0: when his mother, my grandmother, when she had a stroke, and she was, she was essentially brain dead. She was on life support. And my grandfather, my dad, my aunt, they just could not make the hard decision. Right. And that is a tough decision. I mean, it really, really is. So I'm not making light of that. But, you know, my mother saw that and my mother said, I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want to spend a week or two weeks or a month with machines pumping life into me, I need somebody that's going to make the hard decision. And I guess she thinks her son is that cold hearted individual, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so well, so you're a skip-
2: lawyer, John. No, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> right?
0: But, but yeah, so. So, yeah, to your question, yes, they, they could be the same people. They could be different people. It's really going to be more about family dynamics and and who you've got and who yeah. you trust number three kind of is the companion to the medical. There's the law out there called the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, better known as HIPAA. And that says nobody gets to look at your medical information without your permission, not your spouse, nobody. And so number three would be a HIPAA release, right? So I have four children. They're all technically adults, but not necessarily what I would call right. mature, responsible citizens of the world just yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I got it. And I, I, Jen have, and I, I have, two, have a couple of those. two
2: kids, and one of them is like that. The other one, he can yeah. run all of our lives. But
0: maybe I'm not prepared to have them make medical decisions right. for me. But I might still put them on the HIPAA release so they can at least call the hospital and find out how I'm doing. Okay. Right. Right, And then the fourth thing is relates to that end-of-life decision, and that is called various things, a living will, an advanced directive, a directive to physicians. You'll hear lots of different names for the same thing. But this is you telling the rest of the world whether or not to keep you in that persistent vegetative state or that on the, the life support machines if all they're really doing is just prolonging the moment of your death. You're not actually going to get any better. Right, right. But, you know, modern medicine's miracle. It, they can keep that body alive. Right. Do you want to stay like that or not? And you put it in writing. That way everybody knows. Mm-hmm. And and I will say often the end result there is going to be the same no matter what. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're in that condition, you're going to die. It's right. just a matter of you are you going to die today? Or are you going to die, you know, next week? Right. But I will tell you the real reason why you have that document. If this is your loved one. And you're there in the hospital room and the doctor comes in and says, your mom is going to die. She's on these machines. What do you want to do? And you don't know what she would have wanted. So you make the choice and she dies. Right. Or the doctor comes in and says, hey, your mom has this advanced directive. She would not want to live like this. Are you okay with us following her wishes and turning off these machines? Right. And you say yes. So in the first example, you made a decision to terminate your loved one's life. In the second scenario, you followed your loved one's wishes. You walk out sad, but comforted. Right. Right. The first scenario, you walk out sad and questioning your decision, possibly forever. Absolutely. That's an excellent yes. point.
2: All right. So now these these four things are so simple just to get That's started That's a heavy with. burden to carry, yeah. too. It is.
0: Yeah. And really, I, I make my four kids, I have made my four kids sign all four of those the day they turned 18. Oh, good. Okay. okay. You know, if your kid is off, if your 18-year-old is off at college and they get into a car wreck and they have a brain injury, you can't access their school records. You can't deal with their apartment lease. They are an adult. In fact, you can't even talk to the health insurance company about their care, even if it's your policy. Wow. Because that, w- that would be a HIPAA violation. They're 18, and unless they have authorized you to have access to their medical information, you don't have it.
2: So you're telling me I got to get those for my boys right now because they're 23 and 24. I got to get going with that. All
0: right. Absolutely. Wow. All
1: right. Yeah. I, I, never I guess I didn't that. even think. I work in healthcare too. I mean, I guess I just think, like... You know, we have young adults that come in as traumas all the time and their family shows up and the doctors tell the family what's going on. But technically, they're not supposed to.
0: Well, and Uh, but, you know, and there's also a difference between a crisis medical situation where you're you're making the emergency medical treatment decision versus a chronic issue versus, say, a chronic issue or, you know, I had a client. He uh, he went through the back of a Suburban on his motorcycle, uh, rear ended it had a catastrophic brain injury and he's in a you know he's on the machines he's he's in a coma essentially forced coma the doctors say there's basically three choices we can leave him like this and he'll spend the re- whatever days he has remaining staring at the ceiling you know unresponsive we think we can cut off the left half of his brain and if we do he'll walk out of this hospital but we'll probably kill him trying to cut off half of his brain wow Now, somebody's got to make that decision. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, the the hospital's not making it and they want to be dang sure the person that they're relying on to say, go for it, has the authority to do it because they don't want to find out later that they did it. The guy dies on the operating table and then they get sued by a different family member who who did have the authority to Uh, make that decision. Right. Right. And, and, And that's one of those where it's not a it's not a crisis anymore. They got past the crisis. Now it's a stagnant situation where there's a couple of options, but they're serious options. So that's that's why you have these things in place.
2: Right. Okay. All right. So I have a question for you. What is the difference between a will and a trust? Moving on past these Ooh. four you know, to the state planning side of things. You know, we we all know we need to have things planned.
0: Right. So that's a big question. But <laughs> I'll, try to, I'll try to... No, no, but I'll try to I'll try to break it down, but let me let me back up real quick and just talk okay. about how things would pass at death. Okay. So for example, let's say that I name you as the beneficiary on my life insurance policy, right? So I get my policy and I say, "Well, I like that Jen person. She's just awesome." So I'm going to write her thank name you, on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> the problem is a couple <laughs> of months go by and you don't write, you don't call, you don't, you know, give me the little heart on my Instagrams. And so I get mad one night and I make me out a will. And in my will, I say, I have this life insurance policy that is payable to Jen, but I don't want her to get a dime of it. I want my life insurance (laughs) to go to Sherry. Right. I put all that in the will. I get it signed, witnessed, notarized, the whole deal. And I'm so happy I did all of this. I fall over dead. Now, we have us a pickle because the policy names Jen and the will names Sherry. Right? Yeah. Jen, you get the life insurance. No question about it. By naming you as the beneficiary on that policy, I did what I call a non probate transfer. I die, okay. you're going to get it according to the contract. My will only passes through what's called my probate estate. So, Sherry, you mentioned earlier having bank accounts that were just in your name. Uh huh. Right? So, well, here's an asset. It's just in your name. There's no beneficiary listed on it. You die. Well, who's it go to? Right? right? Well, if you had a will, then, once the will is admitted by a court that, yes, it's a valid will and the court appoints an executor, then whoever that executor is would be able to go and access those bank accounts. But the problem is most people would not actually want to have to go through that process. I mean, when we think about, like, your spouse or your kids or or whatever, right? All they want to do is just close out your bank account. That's it. And yet they're going to have to hire an attorney, give them the will. They're going to file that with a court. There's going to be a hearing, maybe in two weeks, maybe in two months, maybe in six months, depending on what city you live in and things like that. And then once they're in the court system, you know, the court system kind of like cockroaches. Once you let them into the house, it's hard to get them back out. (laughs) And and so now you've got a judge that's overseeing this whole deal. You've got your lawyer involved and all just to get your bank account. Right. And that, that, that was kind of a pain. And you could have maybe just gone over to the bank and named beneficiaries on things, right? Okay. Is,
1: and if right? you do that, they have instant access. They don't have to wait a period of time or whatever.
0: Right. Like with a bank account, you could, you could do what they call a pay on death or transfer on death. You'll see it as POD or TOD. And so, if you named your two kids as the payable on death, and you show they show up with your death certificate, the bank's going to hand them the money. That's okay, it. so it doesn't have
2: to go through probate if you have them as a beneficiary. That doesn't mean they have access while you're alive. It's not the same as adding. Like, I don't want to add my 23 year old to my bank account, but. No, 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 no. <laughs> But if he was listed as
1: a beneficiary, I would have to be dead for him to but it wouldn't have to go through private. That's huge that, to know. That, well, that is right. huge, especially considering my husband's paycheck comes into my checking account. He right. might like money to live on after I kick yes. the bucket. Yes. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. And he probably doesn't want to have to wait three months to get access right. to it. <laughs> right. And right. kind of like your friend, you mentioned spending a couple of thousand bucks in legal fees and, and that sort of thing well, just, that's to, huge. just to do it.
2: Just yeah. putting them so, as a beneficiary makes it so that they have access without having to jump through all those hoops. So I'm really excited that's to right. hear that.
0: But the, the problem with that. So but then there's a downside to just naming beneficiaries, right? Because we think about, you know, we'll go back to Jen and your two boys, right? Right. We hope that at the time y'all are dead, that the two kids are... Perfectly healthy, happy, well-married, financially stable, debt-free, adult, productive citizens. Problem is, they're probably not going to be. They might be. (laughs)
2: 50-50 chance. (laughs) But we don't know.
0: Right. And what we do know is, is for example, one of them could become disabled. Mm -hmm. If they become disabled and you die and that money goes directly to them, You just disqualified them from all of their government assistance programs that were providing their health insurance, their housing. What if they've made a poor marriage choice and all of a sudden now you've died and their spouse was just waiting to file because they knew you were sick and, you know, they were going to get an inheritance and they're just going to wait until after that is done. And then they're going to file for the divorce. That way they can make a claim against some of that money. Maybe your son was in a car wreck and it was his fault. He was texting and driving. It was an accident, but somebody got hurt. He's being sued. Well, the plaintiff in that lawsuit just got all excited about your death because he's got a lot more money to pay a judgment. Maybe he couldn't pay his student loans and there's a claim there so he could have debt problems. And then you get to the last part. What if, you know, if you name a beneficiary, what if that beneficiary predeceases you?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? So... This goes all the way back to Jen's question of will and trust. Right. Wills are clunky. With a trust, a trust is something that you create while you're alive, typically. you It's like a bucket for all of your stuff. Okay. right. So if you look at my own planning, I've got a trust in place, and my bank accounts are in the name of my trust, my house is in my trust, all of my assets are essentially in the name of my trust. And the trust says that when me and the wife are, as long as we're alive, we can do with whatever we want. When we're both dead, everything's going to go to our four ungrateful children, comma, but with provisions in there. Those provisions are going to say, well, if my daughter that has a child predeceases me, for example, that her share would go to her kids, but her kid is six months old, right? And so if it goes to the six-month-old, then it's going to be held by one of my other kids until that six-month-old turns at least 25, because everybody's kind of an idiot if they're under 25 (laughs) and so we're going to give them some age and some maturity and time and i've got provisions that if they're disabled it would be held in trust for my kid that's disabled where it wouldn't count towards their eligibility for government benefits and i can protect it from a divorcing spouse i can protect it from my kids creditors if if they're in bankruptcy or getting sued and i can do all of these sort of things i can address all of these contingencies in a trust. Okay. And the, and, and by getting everything in the name of the trust while I'm alive, when I die, whatever that trust says, that's what happens. No probate. So who manages the trust? So, yeah. So yeah, your question of who manages a trust, a trust is managed by the trustee. And typically with what we're talking about, you know, again, like if you look at the John and Lisa Ross trust, the trustees are John and Lisa Ross. So we manage our own trust it's our stuff we could do with it whatever we want but then we would have designated successors so maybe one of the kids that's got some sense they could be a backup trustee or or maybe a, another family member or if you don't have anybody like again i mentioned earlier i'm an only child and my wife she has a she has a sister but her her sister was born disabled so she can't be a successor trustee so we really didn't have anybody and so you know it, early on our stuff had a bank where a, a bank would step in and manage the assets if, if we died while our kids were young. Mm-hmm. And that way, you know, somebody would be there holding that money, making sure it was being used for the kids, help pay for college or whatever. You know, now that the kids are a little older, we you know, we've got at least one or two that got us some sense and we could probably, you know, say, OK, well, we're going to let one of them do it now. But yeah, it's whoever you want to be in charge of your trust is who's going to be in charge.
1: OK, that makes sense. That's good to hear. Yeah. So I guess when you're like writing this, okay, like, so I have a life insurance policy and like my husband and my son are beneficiaries on it. Is there a way where you could write it? My husband has zero money sense whatsoever. Money has no value to him. This is why he has no chain count. I pay all the bills. He just goes to work and he never thinks about money, right? My concern is that I would die. He would get my life insurance and then he would run out of money. He would not make the house payment, whatever. Could you, is there any way you can say, I want my life insurance to pay off my house so that my husband's house
0: is paid for? You can, you can, in fact, you can, you can say just about whatever you want to say in all of that. Okay. The pro- The problem becomes who's going to make it happen. Right, so if if the trust says that upon your death, uh, uh, the life insurance comes into the trust and it is to be used to pay off the existing mortgage on the home, right? But your husband is the successor trustee of the trust, uh-huh. so he's the one collecting the insurance. And yeah, he's supposed to follow the trust, but it's not like there's a trust police force out oh,
1: there. Oh, okay, so it's not governed. In any right? way, and
0: so and so, if he doesn't do that and decides, well, I'm just gonna, you know what, I'm gonna, I, I've got a lead on a horse, I'm going to the track, <laughs> and and first thing I'm gonna do is double the money. Then once I double it, and then I'm gonna pay off the house and keep the other half, right? This this is a great plan, and well, there's nobody really stopping him from doing that.
1: Uh huh.
0: Right. So. You know, one of the hardest things for us to do is is protect people from themselves. Uh-huh. And really, from that standpoint, you either have to take away access or you have to take away control. And, and so, for example, you say, OK, well, at my death, I'm going to have somebody else who's in charge of my trust. And they're going to collect the assets. They're going to pay off the house with the collected assets. And then they're going to distribute the house to my husband. I gotcha. Now it's his house. Right. right. And it's all paid off. Right. But you you tried to protect him from himself by taking right. the control away. Uh-huh. Things like that. But that's, you know, in a, particularly in a husband and wife situation, that's tough. But we see it a lot in older folks, right? Uh, you know, if you get Alzheimer's, you're going to need protecting from yourself. Yeah. hmm so that's often a place where you you know like with my parents for example they were the trustee of their trust then I was the backup. Now as they're rolling into their 80s they and I are all co trustees. So now I can do stuff concurrently with them. I don't I don't need to right now but I could if I needed to go get copies of their bank statements or call their financial advisor and see what's going on in the account. And so if they're sending money to Nigeria because they think they won the Canadian lottery, and somehow those payments are due to Nigeria, which is an exact case from another family, um, you know, at that point, I would know what's going on. I have access in there. And there's provisions in their trust that if they're making those kind of decisions, I can get a letter from a doctor that says they're incapable of making their own decisions and remove them as a trustee. And now they're not a trustee on their trust at all anymore. Yeah. Okay. Um so, you know, again, just trying to think and, and it, this is all a moving target. It's, you know, what you're doing for somebody who's in their 40s is going to be different than what you're doing for somebody who's in their 60s and probably different than what you're doing for somebody in their 80s. And
1: when you set up a trust and all your money, your real estate or whatever is in a trust, um, the I get, are they the beneficiaries of the trust? Is that what you call them? The, the people the, who benefit from your trust, are they beneficiaries? Yep. Okay. Yep. Are do they do they pay inheritance taxes? Do you avoid taxes by having a trust versus a will? How is can you explain that a little bit?
0: Yeah. So a couple of things. So right now, uh so first of all, generally speaking, there's no tax on the receipt of an inheritance. Right? So if if I left you a hundred thousand dollars right now and I died, I left you a hundred thousand, you get the hundred thousand, that's tax free to you. Now there is a there is a death tax. The death tax is actually paid by the estate of the deceased person. So before it's ever received by the beneficiaries, that's when the that's when the death tax gets paid. But under the current law, you'd have to have more than for twenty twenty three, I believe it is twelve point nine two million dollars in total assets before you would pay one dollar of death tax.
1: Well, that's most good of to us know. gonna
0: slide right under that.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, right. <laughs> you just barely. I, <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, just we're going to squeak in right under those numbers, uh, right? Uh, <laughs> for the most part, very few. It's a very, very tiny percentage of the population that has to worry about the the death tax or the inheritance tax. Call it what you will. Um, I do have some clients that do have to worry about that sort of thing, and yes, their trusts will have typically provisions in there that is trying to either eliminate or at least minimize the impact of the death tax, those do get relatively complicated relatively yeah. fast, as you can imagine.
2: I, got I think you. we're probably okay. all feeling pretty pretty good that we're going to
1: be okay. <laughs> yes, that's
0: exactly right.
1: <laughs> right. Okay. So just if you would, um, the word trust apparently is confusing to people, like, the people use the word trust, living trust, irrevocable trust. Is this all the same thing, just with different words, or are they different?
0: So the, uh, the saying the word trust is like saying the word surgery.
1: <laughs>
2: okay, that makes sense, and,
0: yeah, uh, right? Right, <laughs> and, and and so like I mean, if I called my doctor and said, "Hey, I need, uh, I think I need some surgery," you know, <laughs> d- is the doctor is the doctor thinking, "Well, I need a mole removed," <laughs> right? I mean, that's surgery, in it's probably very simplest form. Or, or do I need, you know, some chunk of my brain removed, which would be a much more involved surgery. Um, right. And, and, and depending on what ails me is is going to determine the type of surgery that that doctor thinks is appropriate. When you start talking about trust, all it really is, is, is a, it is a stack of paper with a whole lot of words on it those words are going to be used to to accomplish various goals depending on what ails the person. And so maybe your only real concern is you know what I just want to make the transition at death relatively easy and and provide for some contingency planning for my beneficiaries the the divorce and stuff like that, right? Right. But otherwise, I want it to be as flexible and and everything as possible. Well, that would probably be what you would hear referred to as a revocable trust, sometimes called a living trust, sometimes called a revocable living trust. The titles are pretty much irrelevant because it's all about the words on the page. Okay. Okay. On the other hand, you, you know, maybe you're 65 or 70 and you have a history of Alzheimer's and you saw your, you know, your mother who had Alzheimer's burn half a million dollars in assets paying for long-term care, you figure that's probably coming your way and so you're thinking I need to shield some of my assets so that I can qualify for government benefits and not go broke paying for my long-term care. Mm -hmm. Well, then that's going to be a totally different type of trust, right? Now we've got a whole different goal that we're trying to accomplish, you know, or maybe you're in a high-risk profession. You are that brain surgeon and you're concerned about lawsuits against you. Once again, you're probably using a trust to do that, but that's a different, that's going to have a different set of words on it because now you're trying to shield from lawsuits and things like that so it's really the and and i say all of that because i have people come to the office all the time you know john what do, do i need a trust do i need a will do i need this do i need that and usually i say look let's just back up let's learn about you Uh huh. Mm-hmm. let's see what your concerns are let's see where your problems lie and then let's pick the vehicle that will accomplish those and it could be just as simple as you know what all you really need to do is make sure you've got some beneficiaries on that checking account.
1: Okay. So really, you're just providing a solution for each individual scenario. And what you That's, call it doesn't really matter.
0: And, and yeah, and particularly what you call it doesn't matter because lawyers have gotten into the marketing field. And so you'll you'll see some lawyers where they're we're the only law firm that offers the the super trust or right. I don't know whatever right. whatever right, right. <laughs> I get it and, right. and they've got, and they've trademarked it right
2: yeah and it's, they're it's not worth... telling you the, the lie it's true they're the only ones right <laughs> uh,
0: right right but, but but it's not that that particular trust not any different than other trusts that are created by other lawyers. It's just that they've trademarked the name. They're calling it something fun or something cool. So don't get tied up about the names. Get tied up about what is it accomplished. The purpose, yeah.
2: yeah. Here's a big question that I've got. How do you find somebody to do this work for you? How do you find an attorney? How do you know that it's going to be the right fit, that they're going to do what you need? That That's where I always have stopped, not knowing who to go to, where to start.
0: And that can be tough couple of things. One, if you already have some trusted professionals, like maybe you have a financial advisor, maybe you have a CPA, they often are going to have interactions with people that do this kind of work, and they're going to have seen their work, and they're going to know. So they may have a referral or two to make for you. The other thing is, you know, you can, if you do look around, you can get some names, go to those people's website and look at what, what is it that they are saying on their website that they do. You know, if you if you were to go to our website and you look, it says, we do trust planning, we do wills, we do asset protection, that's it, long-term care. We do elder law and asset protection and estate planning. That's mm-hmm. it, Th- this is what we do. If on the other hand, you know, somebody says, oh, this this Bob Johnson guy, that's the guy who did my will. He's the best one ever. You call him and you go look at Bob Johnson's w- website and Bob Johnson says he does wills and car wrecks, and divorces, <laughs> right. and DWIs, that's not your guy. House closings. Right,
1: right. Right, okay.
0: right. I mean, that's just, that's not your guy. Okay. You need a the same sort of deal, right? I mean, if you, and I make a lot of analogies to the medical profession, but that's because the medical profession has done a very good job. You know, you go to your family practice doctor, and he says, oh, I see a heart issue. He sends you to a cardiologist. Right. The cardiologist says, well, I need to see inside you, so we're gonna send you over to a radiologist. And then the radiologist is, you know, and so you've got all these little specialties. Right. The law has gotten so complicated Mm -hmm. that you really have to be a specialist if you're gonna do a good job for the client. I tell people all the time, I say, you know, if you heard me talk today, And you think, man, that John seems like a sharp guy. And then tonight you get arrested doing whatever it is that you do out there. (laughs) Don't call me. (laughs) Yeah. Right? I mean, if you watch Law & Order episodes, you probably know more criminal law than I do. Yeah. And so, yeah, you want to look for somebody that does that. There are a couple of, for example, I'm a member of the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. Elder Law Attorneys are people who are devoting at least 80% of their practice to this type of stuff and their website, dot org. right on the front page, it says find an attorney. You can put in awesome. a zip code and you can find, here are elder law attorneys. These folks are typically going to be experts in wills and trusts, long-term care planning, disability issues, that sort of thing. And then once again, you can click through, look at their website, see if that person looks like somebody that that you want to do business with. And then from there, you can just interview them and ask and talk to them. And if you get a good feeling from them, great. And if you don't, go somewhere else.
1: If you have a good relationship with a banker, like would a banker know of a good estate attorney or not? How how much do you interact with them?
0: I you know I I typically uh, you know in my, in our practice we interact with a lot of bankers, we a lot of financial advisors, lots of CPAs because we're dealing with people's assets. Okay, right. and so. When you're dealing with their assets, you're going to be dealing with real estate agents and and bankers and and so I get I get referrals from all kinds of different sources out there. So yeah, you you know any professional that's dealing with other people's assets and wealth, right? Those folks are probably going to have a few names that they might could provide for. It. Okay,
1: well let me if we can, I'm going to ask you a few questions that some community members had, and you've actually already covered some of them, which is great. Somebody wants to know, they said they wrote a will when their son was young and he's 21 now. Do they need to rewrite their will or does he automatically just get everything? And I think your answer is probably going to be it needs to be updated, huh?
0: I mean, it probably does need to be updated, often because it's going to have things in there like somebody else to be the executor, Mm -hmm. right? They appointed their brother as the executor to give everything to their kid. Well, if they're leaving everything to their kid and he's an adult now, it might make more sense for the kid to be the executor. Right. Why get the brother involved at, at this point, you know? And it, it may also have all kinds of other stuff in there about trust for the minor kid until he's turns a certain age or right. things like that. So yeah, I would, I would at least have that looked at. The other thing is, is if, uh, you know, it sounds like this might've even been something that they did on their own. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I bet at least maybe once a week, maybe uh, once every two weeks, but I bet I see a a will that was self-prepared that is invalid because the person did not meet one of the myriad requirements in order to make a valid will. They just didn't know. They thought they did it right, and they didn't. And so they've been walking around this whole time thinking they had a will in place, and they just never actually did.
2: Right. Here's a question that 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 brings up for me, and that is state to state. You know, we just recently moved from Georgia to South Carolina, and do you have to do something special from state to state?
0: Not necessarily, right? So the way I've explained, because I live in I live in Texarkana, Texas, which is on the border of Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana, and so I, I will have clients that jump state lines. Yeah all the time. That
2: was like Augusta, Georgia. We were right there on the border of Georgia and South Carolina. So we same thing.
0: It, yeah, exactly. And, and I usually explain to them I say, look, it, it, something you do that is valid in the state you are in is valid everywhere else you go. This is why you can go to Las Vegas and get married, and you're still married when you come back to South Carolina. Right. And so if you do a will, and it's a valid will in Georgia while you live in Georgia, and then you move to South Carolina, that's still a valid will. It's still a valid trust. And for the most part, you probably could just get away with keep rocking and rolling with what you have. The few exceptions are going to be, first and biggest exception is if you move to Louisiana. That state's just weird. Um, <laughs> I,
1: I currently live in Alabama, so I kind of get that. Sorry, Louisiana. I loved it there, but still.
0: <laughs> well, and and even the people from Louisiana will tell you that. They I know mean, it's, it's, weird. it's a totally it's a different basis of law. Their yeah. law comes from the French, not the yep. English, and the wording is different. The language is different. The other thing you have to watch out for is. Um, uh, is state income tax issues and and some mm-hmm. of those sort of things. like So if you're moving to California, for example, that may be something you want to have a California attorney look at your stuff or somebody that's very familiar with California because you don't want to inadvertently get wrapped up in a state income tax of 13% if you didn't have to. Sometimes it's not a bad idea to look at something, but no, generally, if it's valid in one state, it's going to be valid everywhere else.
1: So just to recap a little bit, For what my takeaway is, is you feel pretty much everybody should have a trust rather than a will.
0: I would say that you'll find that I give long answers to simple questions, but I would say most people either need a will and a trust or neither.
1: (laughs) All right, you're going to have to explain (laughs) that one. Why neither?
0: Let's just say that, that the only thing that I have... We'll take one of Jen's kids. This he's a twenty three year old. Yeah, he's got he's got no wife. He's got no kids. He what he has, two has cats is a and
2: zero dollars in the bank. That's a true <laughs> right. story.
0: But he does have a bank account. Yes, right? and what he needs is he needs to name a beneficiary on that bank account.
2: Okay. Well, his mama is on that bank account. Just Still. Okay. Well,
0: still. Okay. But, but you know what I mean? So I here's do. somebody that has, they have very little, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and and they don't need a will. They don't need a trust. That's okay. too much. He doesn't need a they, thing. Yeah. They, I'll just they, go but pick they, up the cats. We'll be fine. But he does need some powers of attorney. Okay. In case he becomes incapacitated okay. and he needs to make sure that the few things he does have, like a life insurance policy or a check and account or things like that, that they have beneficiaries listed on them. Okay. Right? okay. Right? So keep it simple. On the other hand, if you've got, more stuff. If you've got assets you know, assets, if you've got assets, if you've got Stocks. kids, you, yeah. you're going to need some more stuff. Trusts are probably going to be better tools than the will. The idea is that you get everything into the trust before you die. But let's say that you have done that. You've created your trust. You got everything into the trust, just like you're supposed to, And then the reason you have died is because you were killed by somebody else in a car wreck. They were texting and driving. They killed you. Well, their insurance is going to have to write a big fat check for your wrongful death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, there's no way you can put the money from your own wrongful death settlement into your trust before you die. Right. Right. Right? So. Anytime you're using a trust as your primary vehicle, you're going to use a will as a backup. And that will is going to say something like, anything not in my trust goes to my trust.
1: Okay. Okay. You can't include verbiage that just says any money payable upon my death goes to my trust?
0: Well, even then, I, I mean, even in my own family, two years after my grandfather died, we found out that he had inherited some mineral rights in some far off state that he didn't even know he owned because they had never produced. They came from his father. Right. But then there was an oil boom and, and they were started digging for mineral rights and, and, and looking up to see who owned it. And I get a call out of the blue, this guy asking if I know anybody named John Kelsey Ross that lived in Conway, Arkansas. And well, my great grandfather did. Okay. And that, so, so here was a situation. There, there was no need to do anything when my grandfather died. But now, two years later, we've discovered some mineral interests that he owned in another state, and we had that will as a backup. Awesome. We filed the will in Conway, Arkansas. Off we go. Okay. Right? Okay. So, so yeah. So that's where when I when I say both or neither, that's kind of what I'm talking that about. That makes sense. Right? Mm-hmm. You
2: need both. You need a trust and a will, unless all you have is a bank account with your mama and two cats.
1: There's one other thing that you (laughs) did not bring up that I would like to ask, because I think more and more in the digital age, this is important. And that's like, is there some sort of digital power of attorney or digital rights or something? Like Jen and I co-host this podcast together. If like Jen died, how do I retain property of everything we've done? So to speak. That's a good question.
0: Yeah, and the the digital world is a challenging and moving target. You know, so for example, in my powers of attorney that I draft, I've started including provisions for password retrieval, mm-hmm. digital assets, uh, specific provisions granting somebody power over. And I mean, you don't have to have a podcast to have a digital asset. Yeah. Anybody that's ever taken a picture with their cell right. phone and uploaded it into their Google Drive has a digital asset.
1: Oh, my friend for four months has been trying to get her mom's iPad unlocked because they're convinced yeah. within her iPad, they're going to find a whole bunch of assets that have been hidden, but they can't get Apple to unlock this iPad for them.
0: Yeah, that no, that's exactly right. So you are starting to see some provisions for that sort of thing. The companies have gotten a little bit better about it. Uh, you know, on Google now, you can go in and name essentially a, a death representative, um, you go into your account settings you could do the same thing on Facebook now you can go in and bury it in all of the you know account settings you can go in and name a a person to take over your account after you're dead I think Apple can too but all of that is very tough and again it's kind of a moving target most of the time these days if if you've got a court appointed representative you know they will eventually talk to you if you don't already have something but but often you need, to, you need to go from account to account. The other thing, when you talk about like in you alls situation, you mentioned at the, the beginning of the show, I have the big picture retirement podcast. So we kind of have the same thing going on. But, you know, usually when you got two people like this, what y'all are is a partnership, mm-hmm. right? And in a general partnership, if one partner dies, that terminates the partnership. The entity is gone. It just no longer exists. And that's a weird thing for people to wrap their head around. They're like, but it, it's still there, but it doesn't exist as a legal entity any longer. This is why you'll often see people using business entities. So Big Picture Retirement is actually Big Picture Retirement LLC. Gotcha. Okay. Big and Picture Retirement and y'all are both LLC, in there. Right. We, we own membership interests in the company, uh, but yeah. the company owns all the intellectual property. Companies don't die. Right.
1: Gotcha. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Their owners die, and the ownership of the company may shift to new people, but, but the company doesn't die, and so the intellectual property doesn't die.
2: Because so far, um, our strategy has just been not to die, right? Here. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> which, That's my life strategy, strategy right now. So far, it's 100% <laughs> successful for both it's, of us. Uh,
0: absolutely. <laughs>
1: Okay. Well, I have learned a lot. And again, I need to get up off my duff and get something done because my poor husband's going to be out on the street without a penny to his name if I kick the bucket tomorrow.
0: Yep. You definitely do.
1: Well, thank you so much, John.
0: Yeah. This was a blast. I appreciate y'all having me on. Real quick,
2: tell people how they can find you.
0: Yeah. So um, if you're looking for me professionally, you can go to my firm's website. It's rossandsholmeyer.com. And uh, you could look there, we got a bunch of articles on all of this sort of stuff. I think there's articles on wills versus trusts and how to avoid probate and all of these sort of things, powers of attorney. And then, of course, if anybody, uh, you know, after they get done listening to the episode of Life Lessons and they're just hungry for some Texan voice, they can check out the uh, Big Picture Retirement (laughs) podcast right after that and hear everything else we've got to say.
2: All right. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much, John. And we'll have links to that website in our show notes. And now it's time for our listener-led lesson. It could be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Debbie Bajazia. Did I say that right, Sherry? You did. Bajasia. Yay! Debbie, I'm, it's hard. I'm sorry. Debbie <laughs> Bajazia, It's beautiful, though. And her listener-led lesson says, cat people. I have two, and the litter box has always been my biggest issue with having cats. I'm right there with you, Debbie. She said, my solution was, oh, she said, it's been hard on my back to scoop the box daily. My solution was to raise the boxes up on top of a regular storage tote in the room where they're located. I put another small tote in front of each one so they have a step to get into the litter box. Both had no issues adjusting to the change, and what a difference it's made for me. Plus, I use the Litter Genie, the newer model, to scoop, and it's raised up as well. You could put the boxes on a table, too, and use doggy steps for them to access either, whichever is easiest for you, based on where you keep the boxes. Highly recommend raising them up and saving your back.
1: It's a great tip. That is a great tip. Well, at the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. And I always love it when the quotes just happen to go with the topic. And today's quote kind of does that. Shannon McNeese said, I saw this quote. I thought it was very powerful. It is a quote from Liam Neeson. The quote is, live and love every day like it's your last because one day it will be. So be prepared, listeners, because one day it will be your day.
2: And you just never know. So you just live it. Live your life. Have a good day every day. Well, that's really
1: good. Thank you so much for joining us today. We would love to have you join us in the private Life Lessons VIP community. Go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP to become a VIP podcast supporter. Your membership ensures that we can keep bringing you episodes of the Life Lessons podcast each week. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. And if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Reviews really do help us reach new listeners. We're a community-driven podcast,
2: and here's how you can be a part of our show each week. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you would like to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com or use the link in show notes and then listen each week to hear your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye.
1: Bye.